Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to our weekly happy hour today on Trending. What's getting in the way of your happiness? Every Monday here on Trending, we talk about the key to authentic happiness, which is joy. And kind of one of those reminders, if you've not joined us for a weekly happy hour before, maybe it's been a while, uh, that key understanding is the difference between transient happiness, an emotion that's fleeting, that comes and goes, versus joy that's a virtue of God, uh, that we stay, we abide in him. And in the thick of all the different emotions, the sorrow, the joy, uh, the anger, the frustration, that we're able to abide in Christ. And it's interesting and fascinating. If you ever dive into the Greek on the word joy, uh, the word joy and the word grace are very similar. So you want to live a happy life, live a grace-filled life. And that's what will sustain you. That is God himself will sustain you in life to be able to endure the challenges that we face. Now, one of those challenges you might be facing is that you're in the thick of Lent and maybe you're struggling with your Lenten sacrifices. Maybe you've taken on too much or maybe you just don't quite get it. Joining me today will be Father Nathan Cromley. We're going to talk about finding joy in sacrifice, the bigger picture to pain and renunciation. We'll also talk about how virtue and living a virtuous lifestyle is attractive and how to evangelize people just by how we live our lives virtuously. We'll also talk about overcoming complaining and what the Bible has to say about building virtue. So here's your key to happiness. You're listening to Trending with Timory. We can't do it without our faith. Uh, Any other type of so-called promised happiness that the world offers you doesn't bring you lasting happiness. And that's what we're talking about today. My guest is Father Nathan Cromley. Father Nathan Cromley builds up Catholic leaders to take ownership in both their professional lives as well as with their families. You can find him and his incredible work at stjohninstitute.org. That's stjohninstitute.org, which by the way, they have incredible retreats, especially for young adults available there. Uh, You can grab the link for Eagle Eye Ministries at stjohninstitute.org. Father Nathan, welcome back to our weekly happy hour today trending. Hey, thanks, Timory. I always love being with you guys. Father Nathan, we're just entering into our second week, really full week of Advent. And the topic that we wanted to discuss is that finding joy in the midst of sacrifice, which is so relevant in the heart of Lent. Some people maybe don't get why they're being pushed to make a sacrifice. Others are trying, maybe they've taken on too much, too little. And there's always kind of that balance you're trying to discover. But sometimes the problem is that we don't actually have kind of that understanding of the big picture. Why are we engaging in that sacrifice? Or maybe I find a lot of people often share that they experience some of the most suffering in their life, coincidentally, I would say providentially, during Lent. So what's the big picture to help us understand sacrifice and the joy that's at the heart of it 
even when it's hard to understand emotionally. Ooh, I think we lost him. No, so, I'm right with you. Oh, I'm we can hear you now. now. <laughs> yes, now we can hear you. Go ahead. Well, you, you know, I think that the Lent is a challenge for all of us because it means a renunciation. And whenever we renounce to ourselves, there's always a bit of something that we lose. Uh, and so what's our natural tendency in life is to gain and not to lose. So the whole beautiful thing about our Christian faith is that it teaches us that losing things out of love is actually gain. And that's the mindset that I want us to be able to, to, to take into this. Because what we lose when we, lo we lose things in Lent is we lose everything that we're not in order to gain everything that we truly are. Mm. It's almost like a release from the chains that bind us. So we, we, we would see our lesser loves, our passionate loves, or our excesses, or our selfishness as gains. But actually, those things aren't the real gains. We were made, Timory, for true spiritual love. And nothing's more beautiful or attractive, but also nothing is, 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 is more uh, to the heart of our true growth than when we can love like Christ. And so renouncing things, which is part of Lent, is actually a way to awaken, renounce, or renouncing lesser loves is a way to awaken the deeper love. And when we live according to that deeper love, even though it be hard at the sensible level, Oh my gosh, the, the rewards are copious and abundant because there we're able to say who we really are. We're able to say our name out loud to this world that we were made for the love that we're actually giving. A little bit of a biblical analogy for this. As soon as I knew we were going to talk about joy and sacrifice and the bigger picture of pain and renunciation, I started thinking, well, what does the Bible say about kind of embracing, you know, something good and something or someone we love and then at the same time um, kind of make it challenging? I was thinking about the context of marriage, Ephesians chapter 5, where St. Paul is talking about, you know, um, wives and husbands. And when it gives kind of this this job to husbands. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ of the church and lay down your life for her. And it's funny because you think about marriage as this massive gain, um, yet it's this huge sense of loss in a certain respect because you're supposed to sacrifice so much of yourself as a husband um, for the gift of what you're receiving, for that person you're receiving. And so I find it interesting when you're talking about our natural tendency is to gain, which is kind of our attitude toward most things in life. You know, oh man, Lent's great because I'm going to get so much. Or, you know, favorite mass of the year is Ash Wednesday because you get something. Yet in reality, we're supposed to be entering into the sacrifice so that we can receive so much more in conformity to who God has called calling us to be, but that's difficult. I mean, the example for that is on the cross and it's absolute sacrificial love, which sometimes we have a hard time connecting, you know, the lack of coffee headaches throughout Lent or, or the lack of meat uh, to that bigger picture. Right. That's the, that's the paradox about love and the paradox about our Christian faith is that by giving, we receive, by dying, we are born, you know, to eternal life. And, and so what Lent teaches us is to enter into that beautiful paradox of love. So on the one hand, we can't deny the fundamental attitude that we all have to gain. Um, and because that's actually a good thing is to grow in who we are. It's just that we have to accept to die to certain parts of ourselves, to the sensible appetites, for example, 
which which long after the goods that are pleasant and close to us and gain the deeper spiritual thrust that really pushes us forward, which is the appetite for things that are hard, but high. And that high and hard good are the things that really satisfy our life. So if you think of it this way, I, I like to put it in terms of identity, uh, because when you when you strive after things that are high and that are hard, you gain a sense of yourself that's so much deeper. You gain an identity. You define yourself by those high things instead of defining yourself by the close and, and near things. So Lent is really where our Lord invites us into that spiritual struggle, the combat, so to speak, to say renounce to the things that are, are actually holding you down or keeping you in mediocrity uh, and, and advance boldly down the pathway that I have for you because I have great things for you in store, but they're high in their heart. So that, that's why the, the hardiness of this season and the, the, the images of combat and of the desert are really appropriate. You know that well. You and I spent some time in the desert <laughs> in yes. California with Eagle Eye. Yes. But it's, it's, it's really a place of conquest where you mm -hmm. need to push yourself to survive and to thrive. And what an image for life that the Lord lays out for us. I'm glad you connected that to, you know, the desert and even hiking. So for those who aren't aware of Eagle Eye Ministries, Father Nathan um, is the founder of Eagle Eye Ministries, and it focuses a lot on uh, taking young adults out into the wilderness and having a very rich encounter with the sacraments, you know, having a mass outside and going hiking and you know, basically participating in this monastic lifestyle of about four-ish hours a day of prayer while outdoors and kind of conquering those difficult things, those higher things and connecting the challenge of physical endurance with things such as, you know, summiting a mountain uh, and combine that the same idea with the spiritual summit and how the two go hand in hand. So when you brought that up, I thought it was significant, especially because you know, we hear a lot of language, even you just mentioned it, of new life and death. And I keep thinking of baptism. Like Lent is that reminder that we are supposed to live out our baptism. And we're supposed to become uh, little Christ, this cruciform type of love of ourselves and others. And that conformity into Christ, it's challenging. And I think sometimes people just think about this like weighing down, this bogging down, this Catholic guilt that I'm feeling because I'm not doing enough during Lent versus what it is, is that you're saying it's calling you to so much more. Are we going to uh, aspire to great things? And that's a challenge. We aspire to many great and challenging things in the culture, but what about uh, the highest calling for us is that we integrate our faith into everything in the culture, and that's what we aspire to. Yes, in in a, in a real sense, it's called virtue. <laughs> and the thing about virtue, Marie, is that it's the operation of our soul uh, towards its proper good. And it, in the way of virtue can come too much of a fixation on the passions and the, the physical pleasures of life. Uh, it's not that we, we eschew those things. Those things are fine. It's just that, man, we're made for so much more. And when you think of it just real concretely, it looks like this. How, how wonderful it would be to walk through our life full of grace, you know, with dignity, mm -hmm. saying the words that we mean to say and not saying words that, mm -hmm. that aren't necessary, especially words that would hurt. Um, and how wonderful it would be to be focused on the other in our conversations and to lift them up really like a queen or like a king, right? Well, we never even get close to that because we haven't educated ourselves with the discipline to hold back 
from the desire that we have to just, you know, vomit verbally <laughs> upon everyone that's near us or complain or shoot off our mouth or make snide comments or all of the different faults that we can find in ourselves, in our language. It's the very first place to work on virtues in how we speak. But boy, we can see the contrast. Well, Lent is a time where you say to yourself, I'm going to control my mouth. And it's very hard to do, especially if you've run it for 40 years of your life. <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, that what this is the, the goal to say, I'm going to control what I say. And so I'm going to reframe from indulging in the desire to gossip, to make snide remarks, even to speak about really shallow things just to gratify my need to be accepted by my friends. And if I'm going to mortify all of that, literally mortify in Latin, it means to put that to death. I'm going to put that into death so that I can live from a, a deeper center of intentionality when I speak. And boy, if I could do that during Lent and practice that, I'll emerge from Lent resembling closer what it means to have true virtue. And boy, if I could do that time and time again, I'd actually become that very person that I really want to be like. That's how practical, how concrete, but also how important this mortification during Lent is. It's about you emerging as your better self and as a happier and more grace-filled person. Hmm. I'd love to tie this for just a moment to um, honoring the Lord's Day, you know, and kind of hollowing that out in the midst of our week. And uh, you're making me think about that, how we're supposed to emerge after having refrained from things that aren't necessarily horrible, right? But things that we can refrain from um, to make ourselves better individuals or things that we outright just need to get over that is just idle talk or idle behavior. And I keep thinking about Isaiah 58. My husband and I were having a debate over the last week, uh, just talking about like what it looks like and uh, kind of like vetting out in a, a 21st century, what does living out the Lord's day look like? And I was reading from Isaiah 58 and Really, you know, Isaiah is there talking about, you know, refraining from doing things that are pleasurable to us, um, looking at that day, that Sunday, the Lord's Day as a delight, uh, honoring it, not just going about our own ways, our own pleasures, or talking idly, as you mentioned. And, you know, I think so often we have this idea of, well, this isn't really bad, so what's the big deal? But what we're talking about and what you you so focus on so well in your work you do at the St. John Institute, Father Nathan, is well, what about what's better? Like this, there's nothing wrong with this. This is fine. But what about what's better? What is God calling you to do more? And I think that encouraging beckoning is something we also desperately need because we often settle for what the culture is offering. And especially, just to build on that, because you're absolutely right, especially for, or I think of our younger audience or the young professionals that are listening in, we all have these great aspirations, but we can't seem to necessarily find a pathway towards the great person we want to be. And that's quite simply because our pathway is cluttered. I mean, our time is dispersed. You've got young, young professionals that, for example, will make the time to go out in the evening with their friends and then wonder why they've never learned Italian. <laughs> well, I can tell you, it's because you only have 24 hours in a day. <laughs> And while it's good, there's nothing wrong with going out with your friends every night or four nights out of the week. It's a choice that we can operate also to say, maybe I'm going to tune down my social life a little bit to nail these deeper goals that I have, like my holy hour, like going to mass one additional day a week, like praying my rosary, whatever it might be. In the end, our days as modern Americans are, are filled. They're filled with 
every every second of them is taken by somebody. We need the freedom to take those that time back to push it aside. And instead of schedule or prioritizing our schedule, we need to schedule our priorities. Mm, I that like that. is the key. Schedule our yep. priori- priorities instead of prioritizing our schedule because you can become a, a dog, right? You're just a slave to the master of your schedule rather than prioritizing what matters most uh, in our day-to-day. I think so often people say, I don't have time, I don't have time. Time blocking is a huge part of what people do today with their schedules. It's great, but if you don't time block what is most important and necessary, we're still going to be a slave even to this organized lifestyle that we're trying to live out. That's right. And that, that's why where the, the option comes in is during Lent is a great time to start, but it's always good to start to say, what it, where can I do something that will bring me closer to God? Where can I do something that will make me the kind of person I want to be? And that's always going to be a high and hard goal. But that's what we're called to do as Christians. I think when we let the world dominate our time frame and everybody else just take it away, we shouldn't be surprised that we end up without that identity that we so crave, the freedom of somebody who's living for the greater and the higher things in life. That's Father Nathan Cromley joining us during our weekly happy hour here on Trending with Tim. You're listening to Relevant Radio. Father Nathan builds up Catholic leaders to take ownership in their professional lives as well as in their families. You can find him and his work at stjohninstitute.org. Tons of incredible programs, retreats, talks, and a lot of uh, retreats you can find there under Eagle Eye Ministries, um, specifically for young adults, which were huge in my formation. So check them out, stjohninstitute.org. That's S-A-I-N-T, johninstitute.org. I'll be right back during our weekly happy hour here on Trending with Father Nathan to talk about the attractive nature of virtuous living and the power it gives us to evangelize our peers. We'll be right back. Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to our weekly happy hour today on Trending. Joining me now is Father Nathan Cromley. I'm going to talk a little bit about what the Bible says about virtue, things we can do to overcome complaining, among many other things that are challenging in our day-to-day lives. Uh, Now we're going to talk about the attractive nature of virtue, how to live it out, how to discover it, and how it can actually transform how we evangelize our peers. The example we set really does make a difference, and it starts with virtue, but we tend to live in a culture that doesn't even think about what virtue is, yet alone wasn't really able to list what virtues are per se. So Father Nathan joins me now. He builds up Catholic leaders to take ownership in their professional and personal lives with their families. You can find him at stjohninstitute.org. That's S-A-I-N-T, johninstitute.org. Father Nathan, let's talk about how we are called to live virtuously, how it's attractive, and how we kind of transform that into having a positive influence and a faith-filled influence on those we spend our days with. Sure, Tim Marie, I'd love to, because this is one of those topics where we, we who are Christian uh, and who focus in on uh, 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 acquiring the virtues have an advantage. I mean, our religion is wonderful because, precisely because it's visible in and through the virtues. Here's what a virtue is. Virtue is an excellence of the soul in its expression through the body, right? So that means that what a virtue allows you to do 
is it allows you to make what's in your heart visible. So the great beauty of the grace, the beauty, the deep love of God that we have in our souls is not supposed to be kept there invisibly, like in some sort of hiding spot. It's supposed to be visible in our smile, in our words, in our dress, in our demeanor, in the way that we treat others. Well, that most of us have given up on that, honestly. We say, oh, it's, it's impossible because I've got this temper, right? I've got this temper and it always flares up or I just, I, uh, I, I'm in that eloquent in my words and I, I don't listen to people. And yeah, even make all kinds of excuses. And mm -hmm. I'd like to say actually that the, the beautiful thing about our, our Catholic faith is that if you take it seriously, then the love that we have for God is is able to be seen and made manifest. But it requires of the Christian the discipline of soul to work to become better, to improve themselves, not just in dieting and all kinds of ways on the outside, but to improve themselves on the inside in their heart. And that deep self-improvement we call the acquisition of virtue. I love what you said a moment ago. Virtue is excellence of the soul and its expression of the body. And that speaks so profoundly, I think, to something that we should experience in our day-to-day -day lives. And that is where people see something attractive about us. And it's not just the way, you know, you're dressed, but it's the way you carry yourself and your demeanor that really exudes that virtue. I've had these moments um, when I've encountered people who have maybe really suffered and struggled with you know, doing what is right. And they kind of jealously will say, you know, why is it, you know, you're happy? You know, why, why are you able to keep smiling and keep going the way you do? You know, what is it that you have that I don't have? And we need to be able to give an account, as St. Paul tells us, for the hope that is within us, because that's what it is. Hope is a virtue. It's a gift of God, but it's also us directing ourselves and orienting ourselves toward God as well. That's right, Timory. And when Christ calls a Christian to follow him, he makes that Christian like him, right? That's the whole thing. So how do I become like Christ? It's that I, little progressively, little by little, my behaviors are more and more in line with the love that Christ puts into my heart. So we start with a union with Christ in love, the mercy that he shows us, the relationship we have with him. And then progressively, that relationship extends roots, so to speak through from our heart outwards into every aspect of who we are. Every layer of who we are becomes infused with that glow of the fire that's within our heart. And that progressive transformation of our, of our behaviors, our thought patterns, our words, our, our attitudes to be like Christ, that happens through the acquisition of the virtues. But again, it, what it requires from us is, like you mentioned in your example, well, you had to go through suffering to gain that virtue. You know, virtue is not an automatic thing for everybody. It's something that we earn. Uh, it's given to us by grace, certain virtues in his mercy, but it summons a human response to that grace, which is challenging. Mm -hmm. And so I, I speak to everybody who's listening right now is going through challenge from a failure to a broken relationship to a betrayal by a friend, all those things that you're suffering when you live them through the, the love of Christ and in the light of the faith, they make you stronger and they make you more beautiful because mm -hmm. it's, you're, you're almost like able to take the wood of your humanity and throw it onto the fire of his divine charity. Mm -hmm. 
and as and that that sacrifice and mortification of yourself allows that wood to catch the same fire and go from dead wood to a living flame you're speaking poignantly into the mystery of suffering in our culture whether it be the suffering we endure when you know people say why or sometimes even harder than the suffering we ourselves experience the suffering of others you know so keenly sometimes you just ask like God, why are you allowing, you know, this person I love so much to go through this? Uh, why this crucible? What, and it might be that it's something that they can't do anything about that's happening to them or maybe terrible choices they might be making in their lives. And I have to remind myself, God can bring good in the midst of this and that fight out of the darkness of what has occurred, those bad choices. Man, he can just obliterate and burn all of those horrible things away by the mystery of his sacraments and his grace to build that virtue that can be so excellently um, lived out, coming out of that pain if we just allow ourselves to be united to him and keep our eyes on him even when we've fallen down. You know, you know, and I think that that's an aspect of our, of our, of our Christian walk that hasn't been adequately emphasized over the years, Timory. And I meet a lot of young professionals or working Catholics who are kind of like a little bit lost. Like where, what does it actually mean to be Catholic? Uh, what does it mean to be Christian really? And it's because we've given a watered down version of the faith, which mm-hmm. has reduced the, the summons of, of, hum, of our humanity into that fire of charity. We've reduced that. We've kind of said, well, it's about you loving God and then being nice to cats. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically the sum of our Christian faith is be nice to cats, you know. And it's much deeper than that. And that's where when I see how God works with our souls, he allows suffering through and us to pass through those fires in order to try us, so to speak. Uh, it's not that so that we fail, but they try us like like someone when you're making steel and, and you hammer the steel, you break down its fire fibers, but it actually makes it stronger. God wants us to believe in him. And so we got to cling to the word of God and live our life voluntarily as an offering of love. And, in, and it's really hard to do. I agree. Mm-hmm. But that's what it means to follow Christ. I mean, he said, mm-hmm. if anyone would follow me, he'll pick up his cross daily and follow me. And and that's but when we do that, we grow in this in virtue. And what I, I think the emphasis I want to make for everybody is the positive of this is that you become the love that you have in your heart. The beauty of a virtuous person can't be replaced. If everyone listening would take a moment and just think about someone that you know who, who is love to you. You've been thinking of your grandmother or your, your uncle or your mom or your dad, right? Someone that you're like, this person personifies love to me. And when you, when you look at what makes them that way, it's that they're, they were able to give you that love through themselves. Well, that ability is, the, is virtue. And if you gain it, you'll be able to be that love for other people that they were to you. I think that one of the challenges, and if you're just joining us, you're listening to our weekly happy hour here on Trending. That's Father Nathan Cromley from stjohninstitute.org. Father Nathan, one of the challenges I think for many people is I don't get what virtue is. I don't know that I have it. I want it. I, I hear these 
very aspiring things you're saying. And you said virtue is the excellence of the soul and its expression of the body. But where would be either a baseline, just like a point to, for a reference for where to start? If you're saying, you know, I want to live a virtuous life or for anyone in that journey who says, I want to do better than I am currently. And I'm kind of stuck as I'm trying to grow, but I just don't know where to go next and growing in virtue. <laughs> Well, you've asked the right person. When in doubt about that question, ask your priest because <laughs> we have a lot, a lot of experience in this. I will point everyone right to St. James in the Word of God, where St. James says, whoever has learned to master his tongue, you know, will be able to acquire all the rest of the virtues and excellences of the soul. It, it Beginning with your way of speaking and your speech. And so here's some easy ways to do it. To gain the virtue of temperance, resist the urge to dominate every conversation by talking about yourself. I mean, seriously, I've been with people who have gone on and on and on for over an hour as I've sat there waiting for a chance to speak. <laughs> I'd like to say something too. Well, that's really hard to do when people are just, you know, well, resist that. Pulling that back, that's the virtue of temperance. The virtue of fortitude is to be able to Say the right things and the hard things that need to be said. Not necessarily negative things, but hard things like, I forgive you. <laughs> wow, does that ever take fortitude, right? A really easy one for that, and I just throw this out as additional fodder since it's happy hour, you know, said Timory. If you're having troubles forgiving people, use this sentence. In the name of Jesus, I forgive you. It's a very powerful tool, but that requires great fortitude in your language to say the things that need to be said. Mm -hmm. Prudence. Prudence is to speak the word that is weighed and measured with knowledge. So to connect your language, to what you're saying, to your mind. Again, this is different personalities, but some people really struggle with this and they don't even really know what they're saying. But to be aware of what you're saying for at least you know a few sentences a day will build up that virtue of prudence, a weighed and measured speech. Um, and then finally, justice. And a great way to do this is simply eliminate gossip. Oh my goodness. Gossip and slander from your speech to say the things that men need to hear, things that will really help them. That's what St. Paul says. So they're taking speech as your starting point. If you want to grow in virtue, work there. If you say, but just living love in your speech by saying the right thing, saying that needs to be worked in a way to measured way, saying the things that are important, by refraining from talking the whole time and building people up by not building them down, that effort right there will, will control the rest and is a great place to start. Let's run through that one more time because that was very profound. So you're saying, you know, the question was, if you want to start growing in virtue, where do you start? And you said, start with what you say. And you reference St. James, whoever has learned master's tongue is able to acquire the rest of the virtues. So you start with temperance. Let's just run down this like a Sparks, Sparks Notes version of that again, because it was so profound that I think for anyone else, I know I would be wanting to sit here and write it down and I have, but I want to really ingrain that in my memory to work on this Lent, because I think many people, I think this crosses over to pretty much everything we need to work on in one way or another this Lent. Temperance is tempering your self-serving nature in your words. An example is people who just talk the whole time about themselves. And I'm sure that you find that interesting, but try instead to invite the person you're speaking with to share on their end. Ask them questions. 
and the neediness that we have to be recognized will be tempered by the temperance of our speech about ourselves. Fortitude, say the things that are hard to say. And I gave the example like, I forgive you. Or the need to reach out to someone that you've lost contact with and overcome your fear that you'll be rejected or whatever and reach out to, to give them a word of encouragement. Fortitude, it's strength. It's, it's, it's doing what's hard with your speech. Prudence, being wise, measured and uh, poised in what you have to say to weigh and measure your words. And I said there, it's a matter of putting your intelligence, connecting it with your language. So in other words, don't blabber on saying things that you're not responsible for. Try to connect your speech so that you say what's important and you say what you mean and you mean what you say. And then finally justice. And there I used a negative and I said, stop slandering and gossiping, give that up. An easy way to do that, Timory, is put a rubber band around your wrist. And every time you found that you gossiped, snap yourself with that rubber band. <laughs> that, that'll, that'll cure you pretty quick, right? So it's a way of, of, with justice, is you're saying the things that men need to hear, things that will help them. Mm -hmm. uh, and by, by so doing, there you've got a real concrete example. And by just exercising, what you're really doing is you're saying, I'm going to love with my mouth. Right. So my, my language will be one. My speech will be conformed to God's command to love. And when I do that, I'll be growing in those four virtues. And one thing I found very helpful when I'm struggling with, you know, maybe it's complaining too much or criticizing or whatever it might be having to do with my language as that it's about to come out of my mouth. I've really been working on forming this habit of saying, Jesus, Jesus, like making that prayer to Jesus. Like mm -hmm. there's nothing else more important, not saying it necessarily out loud, but just to myself, Jesus, like stop this complaint, stop this criticism, whether I'm on the verge of speaking it or I'm just starting to think, think it, you know, pull back those thoughts, those ideas. Um, by replacing it with something so much better and it turns into a moment of prayer rather than in restraint, rather than a moment of just letting your thoughts, your mind, your words just run rampant and do so much damage that we don't actually want to do. And Timory, how, how wonderful. The more that you do that, the easier it will become. For everybody trying to acquire virtue, it's difficult because you feel like you fail, but it's just like working a muscle. The more that you work that, the more that that becomes habitual, just think of this, the more that excellence is becoming habitual, how wonderful. And the more resplendent you're becoming, the more attractive you're becoming. Everybody wants to be around a virtuous person. It's, a, it's just amazing. When you, when you go to a party, you'll be drawn to the virtuous person, guaranteed. I mean, unless you're an animal, in which case, you know, you're partying with the animals. But if you're human, you'll be looking for that person because they'll be radiating this presence mm -hmm. about themselves. A virtuous person always ends up leading the, the room that they're in. The, the, the party bends around them because they, they know who they are. They're self-possessed and they give who they are away in a beautiful way that gives life to everyone around them. Vir mm -hmm. Virtue will not hurt you. Virtue will unleash you. It will make the true beauty in your soul shine out. Uh, and this is what Christ wants. And, and instead, we have a bunch of Christians walking around wondering what's the point of going to church? What's the point of, you know, being chased before marriage? What's the, and I'm like, the point, my friend, is you. 
You, mm-hmm. If you're unchaste before marriage, you, you end up wounding yourself. And you can repair that by confession. But at the same time, you need to reacquire that dignity that you lost. Uh, chastity before marriage is all about you growing in the beauty of who you are. And that's one example. Uh, but to say that it has no consequence, ah, that's missing out on this adventure of life, Timory. Mm-hmm. That actually Christ puts us here of the summons for us to grow in heroism and the nobility of someone who has claimed their name, claimed their identity in, in with his grace. So when we do that, we, we grow in this virtue and we become more attractive and more radiant to everyone that we meet. And that's frankly what will help us evangelize more than anyone else. People will listen to someone who loves them. <laughs> and a virtuous person is able to demonstrate that love consistently, which means people will listen to their words so much more readily. Hmm, that's fantastic. I think that challenge is there in understanding the gift of growing in virtue, the influence you have by growing in virtue. It does bring to mind a whole nother topic that we could unpack, but I'd love for you to just talk, touch on it briefly. We'll have to unpack it further another day. But when we talk about growing in virtue, one of the common things that tends to occur anytime, you know, you're really working to grow and cling more deeply to Christ is that there's often this um, growing phase of isolation where you feel isolated. You're detaching from the world, maybe from various friendships and relationships and attaching yourself to Christ. And in worldly um, kind of view of life, there's that isolation that can be very painful. And I think sometimes that's why people give up in the midst of growth. Uh, what would you say to speak to that lonely kind of bite that can occur for people during this? I'm so glad you bring that up, Timory. Um, St. Francis de Sales actually writes about that. And I'm sure that there are other spiritual masters who mention that by name. But St. Francis de Sales is one author in particular that I know who actually brings that point to, to the fore and saying just that many people choose to turn back because of that loneliness. And I would like to say a word of encouragement for everyone kind of going through that right now. Number one is whenever Christ opens a hole in our hearts, it's in order for him to fill it himself. So we were covering our hearts. We were to the point where we didn't even know if we needed Christ or we weren't even sure we needed him because we had all those friendships. And then when you start to follow him, and you lose some of those, it can feel like you're suddenly exposed and vulnerable. But remember, you're exposed and vulnerable now to him. And if you turn to him in those moments and deepen your prayer life with him by Eucharistic adoration, by the mass, and by reading his holy word, well, our Lord will deepen his friendship with you in a real way. Second point I'd like to say is that that, that newness that you have in Christ will be complemented by other people, meaning that they'll come to you. Christians have a way of spotting each other out and finding one another. You won't be lonely for long. You'll always be alone because there's a healthy solitude of soul where we're only really known by God, but you'll never be lonely in the sense that the, the other Christians who are waiting for you, you have better friends in store. And so you have to persevere through this And I would recommend asking the Blessed Mother, the Virgin Mary, to help you find those friends. But then go out yourself and with that radiance of soul in your your heart, uh, you'll be able to find them. So uh, there's there's hope is what I'm saying. But you do need to pass through it. Turning back 
and going back to that spot where life is without God, I don't know how it could be better than saying that, nope, God is the king of my soul. Uh, it's a it's a pretty bold statement, <laughs> you know. That's but I mean, Father, just think about that. Like, if it, yeah. th- the next person you meet, be able to say, "God is my best friend." I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's that's quite a compliment. Yeah, it's a challenge to get there. It's a challenge to get to that detachment and remain in that detachment because we so deeply long um, friendship and communion uh, with others. Ultimately, God is the one who will quench that and, and that connection with other human beings is so important but being able to say that that takes profound work and peace and virtue which is what we've been talking about today that's father nathan cromley here on trending with timber you can find him at saintjohninstitute.org that's s-a-i-n-t johninstitute.org tons of information for forming yourself as a leader taking ownership in your professional life with your family. They also have Eagle Eye Ministries. I've mentioned before, hugely transformative for me uh, in my formation. Tons of programs for young adults and high schoolers as well. So check them out, stjohninstitute.org. Today's show is sponsored by Colby Academy. With more than 40 years of experience in Catholic home education, Colby Academy offers a blend of classical Catholic curriculum and the latest education technology. More info at relevantradio.com slash Colby. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to our weekly happy hour today on Trending One of the things I always say I've tried to do during Lent has been so difficult this year, and this is my reminder, and I want to encourage you as well, is to make sure you implement the Stations of the Cross in your journey during Lent. And it was one of my favorite things we did growing up as children, you know, getting to follow along with the crucifix or the church, going to each of the stations. You can do it alone. You can do it at your local parish. Most parishes offer Stations of the Cross on Friday evening, so check that out. There's also access uh, to, again, free access to information about Stations of the Cross and walking through the Stations of the Cross on our relevant radio apps. You can download that in the App Store. Be sure to check it out. Let's talk about today during our weekly happy hour, overcoming complaining and critical questioning. I was reading St. Paul's words in Philippians chapter 2, and he says, do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. This passage from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians it ties together much of what we were talking about earlier today on the show with Father Nathan Cromley, uh, where I asked him, if a person wants to grow in virtue, where should they start? And he referenced St. James' letter, where St. James in chapter 3 says, If anyone does not fall short in speech, if anyone does not fall short in speech, he is a perfect man. So in other words, if he really controls the tongue, is careful with what is said, um, if you learn to master your tongue, the other virtues will follow is what we were talking about. And I think this is really significant to ponder because this ties into what St. Paul is saying. 
Do all things without grumbling or questioning. If you want to work on living like a Christian, you have to overcome those complaints, those criticisms, those questions, those challenges to, well, what about this way? Why not my way? And I think this so radically grows against our human nature, against our pride. Uh, It requires faith. It requires obedience. It requires humility. It It even requires a certain level of resignation to certain types of suffering and crosses where we endure things that are less than ideal or endure things that are very good but that we don't like or want. And what's fascinating to me in reading St. Paul's letters about how we're to conduct ourselves as Christian, he first talks about, you know, overcoming that grumbling or questioning. But he talks about how we're meant to be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish. And those words really stood out to me in the current culture we live in. I think many people sometimes myself included, ask that question, can you really come out of this culture unscathed? Can you come out of this culture blameless, innocent, without blemish? In the midst, as St. Paul says, of a crooked and perverse generation. I think many of us would like to say, arguably, that today's culture is much worse than the culture that was occurring at the time of Christ and in the life of St. Paul and the apostles and the early church. That's something we could debate and discuss But today we live in a culture that is so challenging to not be pulled into the ways of the world. And when I say the ways of the world, often that means that we are sinning and we are not living in the way that God has called us to. And we're called to live as he has challenged us in virtue. And one place that two great disciples of Christ point to is with our speech, without grumbling or questioning, taking back that control of our thought, our actions, and what we say so that we can shine as lights in the world, as St. Paul said. That requires us understanding that we are called to be set apart from going the way everyone else goes, from feeling like we fit in, from maybe feeling like we aren't standing out if you don't like to be seen, or from preventing ourselves from trying to be seen so desperately by others. So we do things that get the attention of others. St. Paul in Philippians chapter 2 references the only way to do all of this is by holding, holding fast the word of life. Who is the word of life? Jesus Christ himself. What has Jesus Christ done in the church? He's given us the sacraments. He's given us literally his physical body and blood in the most holy sacrament of the Eucharist, which as we talk about in the teaching of the church, a catechism refers to the Eucharist as the source and summit of our life. You want to live a virtuous life? You want to overcome your own sinfulness, your own tendencies? What we must do is cling to the sacraments God has offered us, to cling to that union with Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. Union with him by the forgiveness of our sins through going to confession. This makes all the difference in the world. Now, coming back to that idea that we are meant to be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. How is that done? That cannot be done in this culture if we do not have Christ. I keep thinking of Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High who abides in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. 
He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. This psalm, if you never read it, Psalm 91, speaks to how God will be the one who helps us come out of this challenging culture unscathed, without blemish. I think a lot of people throw up their hands and just say, you know what? It's just going to happen. You know, I just need to sow my wild oats now and I'll settle down later. That's what this person needs to do. And we believe, we know in the power of change and virtue and growth and forgiveness that in the midst of any fault we enter into, in the midst of all the brokenness that we engage in, that sin that pulls us from God, that God can draw us up and out of that. That's what we've been talking a lot about this hour. But we also have to believe that God can protect us from entering into the muck to begin with. That hope of the idea of being able to be with God is a reminder that God forgives all sins. But also pondering the mystery of the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the fact that she was preserved from original sin also shows to us by clinging, by union with God himself, we can be preserved from the challenge of this culture that is pulling us and trying to pull us into the camp of the enemy. And so how do we remain with Christ? As St. Paul says, shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. We do this by living a sacramental life. We do this by reading the holy word of God that tells us how to conduct our lives in him, with him, in him, and through him. Read Psalm 91. You, know, you want that encouragement. This hour has been all about growing in virtue to attach yourself to Christ. We talked about virtue. We talked about suffering. We talked about evangelization. That is only done with him. If you try to do it without yourself, well, then you're just seeking transitory happiness. And that's what this show every Monday is all about, is getting past that transitory happiness into the light life and absolute joy of Christ that is available through the grace of Christ, only with him. You're listening to Trending with Tim right here on Relevant Radio. Join us here for the Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky coming up next.